This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. It got to the point where I was working full-time nursing. I didn't have children yet. And then after I had my son, I still continued to do nursing and photography. And I was just getting pulled in two directions. And, you know, at one point, something's got to give and it wasn't going to be my family. I just really had to decide what type of lifestyle I wanted and what was going to work best for our family. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Ange McCabe of Myrtle and Moss Photography, and she is another incredible example of someone switching from a career that was totally burning her out to becoming a professional photographer. Ange mainly photographs couples outside, and the way she does it is so special, and she captures moments that just truly make you feel the love. And the way that she uses the light gives her photos such a dreamy feel, and if you want to see it, her Instagram page is just total eye candy. Ange is a mom to young kids, and she's grown her business to the point that her husband quit his career to both help stay home with the kids and to help her with her photography business. She's one of our Portrait Masters online conference speakers, and I cannot wait to hear her talk all about not only how she gets the couples she photographs to interact the way that they do, but also how she gets that gorgeous light outdoors in all of her photos. Okay, time to get started with Ange McCabe. Hi, Ange. How are you? Great. How are you, Nikki? I'm good. I'm so good. Are you, you're all the way up in British Columbia. Is that right? Yeah. I'm on Vancouver Island, Canada on the far west side. Awesome. So beautiful there. It is. It's very inspiring. And as a photographer, I feel super spoiled to be here. Yeah. Yeah. But your photography business is not named your name, right? It's called Myrtle and Moss. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people will ask me about that. And no, my name is not Myrtle, but I get a lot of emails (laughs) that start off with, hey, Myrtle. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, Yeah. So when I was rebranding, a lot of people asked me where I got the name from. And a few years ago, when I was rebranding, I thought, what do I love to photograph? And what do I want as my business name? And so the things that I love to photograph are moms and babies. Being a parent myself, I just love that 
emotion and connecting that and capturing that for other people. And then I also absolutely love working with couples. So there are two very different types of love. And so Myrtle represents love between two people and Moss represents maternal love. So oh. that's where Myrtle and Moss came from. Okay, very mm-hmm. cool. And like, what a special name too. Yeah, it took a while to come up with. And when I finally decided it was going to be that, I totally, I was so happy with it. So Yeah, that's awesome. Well, your your work is so beautiful and it's very emotional. Like there's so much connection in your work. Thank it's, you. It's definitely like if, if people were to scroll your Instagram, like you can really feel the love. So it definitely matches your name. Well, thank you so much. That's what I aim to capture in all my photos, no matter what I'm photographing. So Yeah, it definitely shows through for sure. So, okay, I'm pretty sure from what I read about you is that you weren't always a photographer. It wasn't like you just, this was your first career, right? No, no. You know what? I always, I've always been a very creative person. I was always like the person who took like extra art classes in school and on all of my spares, you just find me, you know, sculpting or painting and just anything that I could get my hands on growing up. I just, I needed to be creative. And I actually did a few years of like hair and makeup. And that's when I really developed a love for working with people and, you know, kind of mixing art with human connection and just Mm -hmm. I loved being able to see someone transform through hair and makeup and then you know make them just they just come alive and look you know they just feel so great and the thing that I found about photography is that you can mix like all the things that I love so working with a team and with like you know having a vision and then having it come through and just making people feel amazing yeah so my my whole goal growing up was to do art of some form. And despite having a full scholarship for art school, I ended up going into nursing. No way. Wow. Yeah. I I took a little bit of time off after school. We're talking high school. This is like years and years ago. You know, I'm not trying to age myself here, but it was a long time ago. And I really, I took a little bit of time to decide like what I want to do, because obviously with arts, you know, it's a bit scary because you don't, you know, it's not as super secure as other jobs, you know? Right. <laughs> so I did take some time and I just loved, I loved everything to do with like pregnancy and childbirth and, you know, parenthood and everything, even though I wasn't a parent yet. And I became a labor and delivery nurse. And yes, definitely a, a change, <laughs> a career change. Oh, yeah. But I was able to build my business as I was in nursing school. And that's what inevitably allowed me to switch careers once again back to photography. But yeah, I do think that we all have like a different path. And I think every little stepping stone along the way kind of develops us into the photographer or the artist or the person that we are today. So definitely love that career, but was also, yeah, I just really like the flexibility of being a photographer. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. How did you make that transition? Because we have a lot of people in our Subrice Facebook group who are kind of in the same position where they're in a career that they are so ready to get out of and to make a change into full-time photography. And I, and I did the same coming out of a social work career. So I'm curious how you did that. Yeah. So I just want to touch base on that too, because I find it's actually funny, a lot of photographers are in healthcare or have some sort of like job or role that really is working with other people. And I think that that translates into like really emotional photos. And I find that mm-hmm. people who work in a very meaningful career to start it's that drive to make them want to be to create meaningful images. So yeah, a lot of the photographers that I follow that I'm really inspired by, 
you know, have a background in healthcare or in, you know, working with people. So, Mm -hmm. but yes, it is a huge and a scary jump, especially when you go from, you know, full-time job with benefits and, (laughs) you know, you come home from work and, and you're home. So definitely some sacrifices there, but I honestly, I couldn't have done it without my husband and without my little support system around me because uh, I, I wouldn't be able to do it without them. But I think what worked for me is just, it got to the point where I was working full-time nursing. I didn't have children yet. And then after I had my son, I still continued to do nursing and photography. And I was just getting pulled in two directions. And, you know, at one point, something's got to give and it wasn't going to be my family. I just really had to decide what type of lifestyle I wanted and what was going to work best for our family. So that was kind of the push for me to go in full time. And I did it for a very long time before I made that jump. So, mm-hmm. but if I can give some advice to others who are thinking about making the transition, it's just doing it right, making sure you have the savings because obviously, you know, starting up a photography business is a lot of money and there's always, always so many extra expenses than you can even anticipate for. Another thing is like moving, moving to a new city is a whole nother thing too. You know, really making sure you're set up and you prepare yourself because there's always downtime when you move or when you switch careers. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it makes me wonder because people say, I, you know, I have a really supportive husband too, and I'm lucky in that way. But it's like, you know, you say you couldn't do it without support, but sometimes I wonder, like, could we? I bet you we could. Like, if we, it, I feel like when you set your mind to doing something, whether or not you have the support, you probably could pull through and make it work. You know, it just makes me wonder, like, I feel like when someone makes a decision about something, regardless of if their family has their back or whatever, if they, you know, don't have a partner to help with the finances or that sort of thing, I feel like when you make the decision, you could do it. So I bet you, you could have done it regardless. And what what do you think? (laughs) You know what? I would actually probably have to agree as much as it's like amazing to have this team of people behind me. You know what? We're more resilient than we think. And I if we can take something positive away from COVID is I think that it really has opened my eyes to realize we don't need as much. Mm-hmm. And when we have a fire lit under our butt because we feel threatened or, you know, like, you know, we need to, you know, maintain our business and make sure that we have some security in the future. Right. That gave me a push personally. That was like a whole nother fire, you know, when it's kind of like fight or flight mode. Yeah. When you really have your mindset to something, you just make it work, you know, like if you have, you know, if your kids are going hungry. Yep. Yep. Right. You're not going to not work your butt off. Yep. You're going to do it. You're going to make it work. You know, totally. there's obviously huge sacrifices, but definitely hard work. Totally. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about like, you know, I've thought about that before. Like, would I be able to do it without my husband? And, you know, with me being the primary breadwinner, and I know you're the primary breadwinner, right? Your husband left mm-hmm. his career altogether. Yeah, he was, you know what, though, I always have to say, though, it's not, it, we're definitely in this business together. He does so much of my back end work. So, okay, gotcha. so yeah, so yeah, he does actually help me hugely yeah. with the business side of things. Um, but yes, it was a really big sacrifice on his part. Okay, you know, it's like, I think about if my business hadn't gotten to the point where he was able to go down to part-time or maybe he wouldn't have even wanted, maybe he didn't want to ever quit his job, I would have just put my kids in full-time daycare, which is what I would have done if I was a social worker still anyway, but I would just have a career that I loved with kids in daycare as opposed to a career that I was burned out with my kids in daycare. You know what I mean? It's like for some reason I feel like entrepreneurs have this idea or people have this idea about entrepreneurs that – we're supposed to take care of our kids and be entrepreneurs all day and not have, you know what I mean? Where there's this sort of stigma around it. Completely. Whereas 
there's nothing wrong with working from home and being an entrepreneur and also having full-time daycare. So I don't know. I feel like there's always a way to work it out if you really, really want it. Oh, completely. And you also just need to make sure that you set yourself up good enough so that it makes sense financially, because obviously childcare can be very expensive too. So. Totally. Of course. Right? Yeah. I feel like people, you know, they get burnt out so easily and they like grow to hate their businesses mm-hmm. when at the end of the day, they're not charging enough to make it worthwhile, you know, to have someone else looking after their kid and, and whatnot. Totally. So. And that brings up such a great point, Ange, is, is when people aren't charging enough, that's when it, it just like... It all goes to hell because, you know, you're burning the candle at both ends and you're not bringing enough money home to be sustainable so that you can go home and just be mom or partner or dog mom or whatever. You know, it's um, that pricing is so important. Totally. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious, you know, speaking of pricing and just having to price yourself in a way that allows your business to be profitable and sustainable, did you start out? charging, you know, what you charge now? Or how did you, you know, when you first started, how did that work for you, I guess? So when I had another, when I was also nursing, it was just kind of like fun money and I didn't really care too much. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know a ton about pricing and like the psychology of the sale. So I didn't, you know, when everybody was buying my top package, I didn't even really think to increase my prices because I didn't, you know, know any better. So as I grew and as I realized like what, what people wanted and what worked, you know, I've tried so many different systems of selling myself, shall we say. I've done in-person sales, which I know can be really great for some people. You know, some people like shooting a ton and just being happy with what they charge. Other people want higher-end clients, spending more time with each client, you know, spending the time to make albums and prints and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So for me, I've, I've kind of dabbled in everything. And the solution that has worked for me that I've come to to this point is I mostly do digital sales. So earmuffs, Sue, please, <laughs> if you're listening to this. But I do also offer prints still. I do a form of like soft proofing online where they can view their images and then select from there. I kind of mix a little bit of like in-person sales, but have it like online in-person sales, if that makes sense. So I have learned to really set parameters around how people go about viewing and selecting their images. So just some pointers, if if the audience wants to hear all this good stuff, because I know that a lot of people like to hear other people's systems. So the system that I have created based on all of my past experiences with my clients and with, you know, what works for myself and my lifestyle and how much time I want to spend with my clients after the fact is I make what's called like a soft proofing gallery. So I give them 48 hours, so two days, to select their images. So a little bit of pressure is put on them, but it also doesn't leave my galleries open Mm -hmm. for a month. I like that. I know that if you give people, right, you know, when people have so much time to look at their photos, they they all of a sudden don't need them as much, Mm -hmm. you know? When they can look at them whenever they want for the next month, they kind of lose that desire to need them. So I find that 48 hours is enough time that they can, you know, and I always make sure that they're available. So when their gallery is ready, I say like, hey, so-and-so, I had so much fun at our session. I just want to let you know that your proofing gallery is all ready to go. Please let me know when it's a good time to send over your gallery as you do have 48 hours to make your selections. Make sure that anyone who wants to look at the photos is available. You know, because a lot of times, like when I shoot families, we'll have grandparents or other family members wanting to, you know, 
look at the photos and buy photos too. So it just kind of sets the standard, sets the expectations for your clients. And also I find that they really respect your boundaries a lot more Mm -hmm. and as much as like we're personable with our businesses and, you know, it's a good reminder that this is our system. This is how we do things. We, you know, our business and to keep things rolling, that has been my magic trick to getting things, you know, on with it, out the door. Yeah. So I can, you know, especially as you, like you're a busy mom, having things always like on the go and not like taking forever to wrap things up just only adds to our stress. So that's, you know, kind of what has worked for me. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, if you're going to do any sort of digital sales like that, that just makes total sense to have the parameters around it. That's really, really smart. Totally. And then I've set up all my final galleries with the ability for them to purchase their own prints and albums as well. So that's, you know, there's always room for upselling and I do sell digital packages. So usually when my clients book me, they'll kind of go in with, you know, they can always add more later on to their package, but they kind of decide on the package they want prior to. And then when they see their images, then they can have the option to upgrade. And that's usually how I can get a lot of really good upsells without actually doing in-person sales. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And then do you have packages, like base packages that you start with or like a session fee or how does that work? Because you're, you're outdoor mostly, right? Mostly. I used to have a studio um, as I used to do a lot more like newborn photography. Any newborn photographers listening in, you know exactly what I mean when I say you need a lot of space mm-hmm. and a lot of time and very controlled settings for, you know, the more posed newborn work. But I don't have a studio anymore. Just found I wasn't using it as much. And so just investment wise, it wasn't worth it for me anymore. But yeah, so... What I do is I used to do session fees, but then I just have it all built in now. So I have kind of like my base, you know, my smallest package, which would be 20 digital images, which, you know, depends on what type of system that you sell. Like that could be a lot for somebody, but I do a little bit more like storytelling type of work versus like spending five hours on one portrait, making it perfect, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I find 20 images is kind of the minimum that I want to shoot just so that is also worthwhile for me. You know, I don't want to spend like, two and a half hours shooting a session and then only have five or 10 photos. So, right. Yeah. So I kind of go, I go 20 and then 40 and then 60 images are my packages. Okay. Yeah. And that's, I would think that there'd be a little bit more than your typical, like in studio portraits, because there's so much more happening when you are photographing couples and, you know, families and that sort of thing. Like, there's just so much more movement. You're moving from location, you know, different parts of the location. It just seems like there's, it just makes sense to have more photos, I would think. Totally. You definitely get a lot of variety when you're working with families and constantly changing the scenery and the wardrobe, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so do you have a session fee then? Like, what do people have to pay up front in order to book you? Yeah, so my minimum booking rate is nine ninety five Canadian. So, you know, about $300 American pretty much. Oh my gosh. Our dollar's really bad right now. It's not quite that bad. But yeah, so my packages start at $1,000 and then they go up from there. And I do have a lot of nice add-ons now as well for my clients. So like I said, I can do albums and prints. I also do videography. So that's a new thing. I don't like to call myself a videographer, but I do add on like highlights videos. I found that doing videography has really helped me become a better artist. Mm -hmm. And I think more about movement and storytelling. So that's been a big hit this year. And then also I like to make a lot of like little gifs. I don't know if you even know what I'm talking about or if you've seen them. They're like those like moving photos. They're all photos, but you know, put together to look like a little video. It's like stills that are put together. There's like stitched together. Yeah, I love those. Yeah, it's kind of like stop motion, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those have also been a nice fun little add-on as well that my clients have really been liking. So 
there's always a way to make more. <laughs> yeah, totally. And for the record, I did the conversion and it's $755 <laughs> for you your, you you know, <laughs> your, your entry level American. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So you're not doing a shoot for under seven fifty, like just to book no. you. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay. But keep in mind, I've had to base all of my rates based on like our cost of living, which is really ridiculous here on the island. And I think that it's really toxic to compare ourselves to each other and what we make because I don't think that looking at someone else's pricing is well. It's nice to know just to see if you're in like a specific ballpark range when it comes to your local competition, shall we say? Yeah. But you know, we all have our own like debt we want to pay off. We all have our own goals. Someone might be paying for you know their mom's like at home nursing care, mm-hmm. and so that's why she needs to charge more. You know what I'm saying? So. I don't think that comparing ourselves and what we make to other people really does anyone, you know, a service. Yeah. But definitely knowing your worth and also, you know, factoring in your expenses and, you know, your talent. And for me, when I started figuring out what I needed to charge, you know, not just to get by, but to live like comfortably and reach my goals that I wanted to hit and pay off my student loan debt that I've been paying for forever. I had to set my rates accordingly. And, you know, considering the fact that my husband also quit his career, I also had to figure out a way that we could make up for that as well. So, you know, while it's definitely interesting to know what people make, I think that really, yeah, looking at your own situation, what you need to make is Right. Is more beneficial. Yeah, for sure. And the reason I like to ask is because I think it's good for people to hear that the successful photographers out out there aren't charging 300, 400 bucks out the door. You get everything. Like, that's just not sustainable. So, regardless of where you're at, it's like how Sue teaches, like, your pricing goal should be to get up to industry standards where, you know, your smallest package starts at 900. You know, well, obviously, the session fee is different than the smallest package or whatever, but to get your pricing up to the point where you are sustainable. And I think it's so good for other people to hear that that's what most successful photographers are doing. (laughs) You know, they're charging what you should be charging. Yeah. And I know there's always like a fear when people increase their prices, but Mm -hmm. one thing I find really important is really creating like a really good experience for your clients so that they are long-term and they, you know, for me, even though like I have a pretty good following and, you know, like my business is pretty steady, still a word of mouth goes huge, you know, and, and because I've built such good relationships with my clients, they just grow with me. So I'm not worried that if I increase my prices by a hundred or 200 bucks or whatever, they're not going to switch photographers still, you know? Right. So I think that that client experience is almost like more important for the sustainability of your business. Yep. Yep. You know, than having competitive pricing, if that makes sense. Yeah, so absolutely. Absolutely. Also, if you're switching careers, like for me, a huge factor in deciding like what I need my very minimum starting price, I wanted to factor in the fact that I left my other career. And I don't want to, you know, leave a a good paying nursing job with, you know, all the benefits and all the perks, you know, to making less than that and essentially working more hours, you know? Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, that's exactly right. I think we've talked about this before on other episodes, but just I think people get hung up on leaving the career because of the insurance, or because of the perks or the benefits. But it's like, we have to just factor that into our budget. We have to factor in that we don't get a pension, that we don't get healthcare, but it's okay. Like life can be so much more enjoyable and enriched and you can make up for that with your income, you know, from your photography business. I know I have. Exactly. 
Yeah, but you really have to sit down. And I know, like, as a photographer, we're expected to wear so many hats, you know, like mm-hmm. be an accountant, be a, a marketer, you know. And, you know, if you're having a difficult time staying organized or figuring out your pricing, you know, sitting down with an accountant, seeing what you need to set aside for taxes and all that kind of stuff, you know, so that you can grow your business sustainably and you're not, like, growing to hate it. Because for I sure. think, you know, if we could all just take pretty photos and not stress about all the other stuff, like, we'd all be happy campers, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm in touch with my accountant a couple times a month, at least, just to make oh, sure. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So it's so important. <laughs> it's so important. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, if you're out there and you have a business and you don't have a CPA or an accountant, that was one of my first investments for my business, for sure. Totally. What I've found is if there's any part of your business that you're dreading or that you, you're you not liking or that is really taking up a lot of your time, figure out your pricing so that you can you know, be able to pay for the the cost of having someone else do it. So for me, the biggest thing that I did was have someone do all of my emails. And I know that out there, there's a ton of client management software companies that can do all that for you. It didn't necessarily work with me to go with one of those companies. I'm a little bit more like in person. I like to have, you know, a human (laughs) writing an email back. But that was the biggest thing for me because I feel like you know, we're so connected to our businesses day in, day out, doesn't matter the time of day. And once I started setting those boundaries with myself and, you know, like even just, you know, when you answer your emails or if it's like a slow season or, you know, with even things like with COVID going on and all these cancellations and things are slower, it's, it would get really depressing if I had to see all of those emails that were like, I was out of someone's budget because I know people change their prices and and have second doubt, you know, they second guess mm-hmm. themselves about their prices when they start getting people closing doors in their faces, right? And so yep. for me, once I had someone doing my emailing, I didn't hear about all those people that couldn't afford me now, you know? And so I just, all I saw was the bookings and it was really good for my mental health and just for my confidence. And, you know, I wasn't able to get, I'm not caught up in all that stuff anymore, which is so freeing. So right, hugely yes. recommend it for anybody feeling like they're drowning in DMs and emails. Oh, that's sure. what I need to be doing. And I really need <laughs> someone to take that over for me and I just have not yeah. let it go. Oh my gosh, I need to do that. I'm glad you yeah. said that. It's a lightsaber. <laughs> and then also like, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes like I'm a people pleaser and I hate conflict mm-hmm. and because I'm so personable with my business anytime there was maybe an issue with you know like an overdue bill or something like that I always felt I just dreaded that email of like hey like I'm not coming to your wedding unless you pay your bill right. kind of a situation right. but it kind of removed me from that and you know, my clients respected me so much more and I didn't, I don't have to worry about contracts not being signed or, you know, past due bills or anything like that. So yes, that was my all time best investment is having someone do that for me. Yeah. That really inspires me to do that, (laughs) to go to do, oh man. It's like the training of the person. That's what keeps me from doing it to sit down and like, I don't even know how to train what's happening in my head with, you know what I mean? (laughs) I know what you mean. I'm like, so as much as I'm like, you know, an entrepreneur and a successful businesswoman, I'm still like so personable. And, you know, my emails have way too many smiley faces and exclamation marks. And I would always infer a period (laughs) as like, oh my gosh, like is something wrong? Yeah. (laughs) So my first few times that my assistant was doing my emails, I would read them over and I'd be like, oh my goodness, like there's not enough exclamation marks. And I just had to let it go, you know, because she was still lovely. The best part is that people got an answer right away. We live in a world where people just want answers now and they want to know if they can afford you. And if you don't have your prices, you know, that's a whole nother debate that we won't go into. But if you don't have your prices on your website, 
and people are reaching out, chances are they just want to know if they can afford you and if you're available, you know, and if they don't hear back from you, you know, within 48 hours, like 48 hours is still stretching it. But I can say this from experience when I would get really behind in my emails, there'd be like almost an embarrassing amount of time that would go by. And I would start my emails off by saying like, by apologizing, and I'm already starting off on the wrong foot, you know, uh-huh. like, so when you, people, you know, they want to feel like you care about them. They want to feel like you're excited to shoot them. And when you don't even get back to them in a timely manner, that just starts everything off on the wrong foot. So yes, another reason why having someone do your emails is just, you know, she checks it twice a day, if not more. So no one, there's not an email that goes by, you know, if it's a weekend, maybe 24 hours, but that would be like pushing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. I love that. Oh, so inspiring. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Ange, I want to just shift a little bit because... When I go through your photos, I just, I see so much connection between the people that you photograph. Like I mentioned at the beginning when we, you know, first started chatting, there's just so much love there. And I'm wondering how you get that from your couples. So to start, I think that a huge part to do with this. So before you even pick up your camera and work with your couple, it's so important to establish that relationship with them, that space of trust and like a some form of you know level of comfort that's going to make them want to open up in front of your camera this actually goes back to right from your first form of communicating with them you know if they're feeling like they're looked after you know right from the get-go they're going to feel like they're in good hands so before all of my sessions even if you know especially with COVID I, I don't meet people in person so much anymore but at the very least have a phone call or a Skype chat And we discuss like expectations, what they're wanting, what sort of vibe they want out of their session. I obviously get to know them as people as much as we're all excited to like shoot for us and shoot from the heart and get epic photos that are going to be, you know, shared online or featured. At the end of the day, you have to remember it's about your couple and capturing them in an authentic way. So really listening to their interests and to their stories. You know, being a busy mom, I'm always so I have a really bad memory. And so, oh, especially if I, you, know, you don't have to tell I, me that twice, right? It's I swear your brain falls out, or part of your brain falls out with your placenta when it's gone. <laughs> don't get a visual there, but I swear you never get it back. But when I'm talking with my couples on the phone, I'm like jotting notes the whole time about you know what they're telling me, their interests, all that sort of thing. So at the session, when I chat with them, I'll remember all of those things that they talked about. So it really, mm, you know, I obviously mm-hmm. do care about them, but it makes them seem like I care more because you know. I cared to remember, I cared to listen. And so, but just really building that relationship ahead of time is so important in developing that space of trust when you actually go to shooting them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's very helpful because I feel like when you're talking with someone about something that you already know about them, they're more likely to like light up or like smile or, you know. Totally. And when you get people talking about something that they're like passionate about or, you know, like I always ask like emotionally charged questions during my sessions just to, you know, just keeps them, not that we want to take photos of them talking all the time, but it just makes it more relaxing to them, you know. They don't stress so much about the fact that they're actually getting photographed. Another thing that I like to do, it's hugely important, is I like to bring music with me. So almost every session I bring music. So I just have my little portable speaker and I, you know, play some like soft, you know, romantic music or I'll have that conversation ahead of time with them about what sort of music they like, because that instantly gets people comfortable, you know, when they're kind of feel like they're in their own space, listening to music that they like. And I find that it really, you know, if I want to take really romantic photos, I have like a romantic coffee shop, you know, playlist. (laughs) That's so awesome. And that totally helps as well, especially like for me, if you can't tell, I'm kind of a gabber. So 
I'm not really worried about there being downtime or silence because I will always fill the void. But for those who are a little bit more quiet in their shooting, music can be your best friend. Because mm-hmm. the second your couple feels awkward or like they don't know what they're doing, it's going to come across in those photos. This is a really big question for you to ask, so I feel like I'm just going to be talking forever. But... I'm going to keep on talking because I have some good stuff to say if you don't mind. Well, this is your this is your topic for the Portrait Masters, though, isn't it? For the this conference. This is. So I don't know if I'm giving too much away. Yeah, so my talk is all about working intimately with couples to capture that, that authentic connection in camera. So, yeah. Yeah, so you'll be going, like, really in-depth for that, for the conference. Totally, yeah. It's a full hour of me talking about all this good stuff plus all the behind the scenes of a really beautiful sunset session that I captured so I was noticing some of the photos on your Instagram I was like dang like (laughs) you just get this like the orange glowy you know I can't wait to hear that because sometimes golden hour I feel like can be tricky for people where the photos their images and the people can turn out like like almost like a gray undertone on the skin and it's just even though people love golden hour I feel like a lot of people don't get it right and you clearly are getting it so right and I seriously love 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 your golden hour photos oh I appreciate that thank you and you know what actually is funny is I was thinking about this a couple days ago because obviously right now it's pretty smoky outside Mm -hmm. because of all the fires which is devastating but I had this session planned and I was so excited for the sun But I found that it's almost like my crutch because, you know, I kind of rely on that epic sun to make my photos epic, you know, you know, obviously combined with the emotion that I'm capturing. But with all the smoke, it actually inspired me in a different way. I kind of, you know, go through these seasons. If anyone listening is from the Pacific Northwest, you'll totally get it when I say that there's like, you know, the summer months are beautiful and golden. And then once fall hits, it's pretty gray Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. can be depressing. But I actually find it really inspiring. And because we haven't had this type of weather, uh, this more moody weather in a while, I was so inspired going into my session that, like, I'm excited to pull out the sweaters and the pumpkin spice lattes, you know? like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's, like, half people are super excited about it, like you, and then half yeah. the people, like me, are like, no, like, all I want is summer. <laughs> right? Well, talk to me in January when I'm, you know, in the thick of seasonal depression. Right, but, you know. right. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes people will say things like, oh, isn't it so great to shoot in... I've had clients say both things. Like, I only want sun. Isn't it so great to shoot in sun? And then some people are like, when it's overcast, they're like, isn't this the perfect way to shoot, the perfect lighting? And the way I look at it is that it can be great anyway. Any way that you shoot with light, you can make it look really beautiful. Sometimes I love shooting in sun, some full sun. Sometimes I love shooting in golden hour. Sometimes I love shooting in overcast. You know, it just, anything can work, you know. Totally. And also for all the wedding photographers out there, getting well-versed in shooting in all sort of lighting is very beneficial. Mm-hmm. As you know, on a wedding day, things can change and not go as planned. And, you know, so even being able to make sure you can efficiently use a flash and edit out really poor ambient lighting or, you know, fix really high grain photos because your ISO is, you know, crazy high. I just think that, yeah, when you when you put yourself into a box of only doing one thing, it really limits you. And I think that getting experience in, you know, not just different lighting, but different genres of photography will be beneficial 
it'll be beneficial through all of your types of photography. So if you don't shoot families, but you find at weddings, you're working with kids a lot, you know, and you want to up your family game, your, your kid photographing game, then, you know, maybe take on a couple family sessions and really, you know, instead mm-hmm. of hating it, just like embrace it, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. Shooting weddings really helps set me up to shoot in different light, to be able to find the good light quickly, to just figure out how to make a beautiful photograph in some really ugly areas. (laughs) Like it really, really helped me to just set the stage anywhere that I'm at. So you're totally right. For sure. For sure. Well, I'm excited to hear your talk. So you are at 10.15 a.m. Pacific time on September 22nd. So capturing authentic connection and intimacy. I'm really, really excited about that. Yay! Me too. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I have a couple more questions for you. I ask the same questions to everyone at the end of each episode, and I'm wondering what your answers are going to be. Number one is, what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? So my camera and lenses don't count, right? It has to be something else. (laughs) Those are very important, but no, you can say something different. (laughs) They are very important. You know, I'm going to have to say my portable speaker. I just love music so much. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. And what do you shoot on, though, since you did bring up camera? Oh, sure. I shoot on a Canon 5D Mark IV. And then my, if I was to pick, like, two lenses. So I typically shoot with one on each hip. If I was to pick two lenses that I wouldn't pop off my camera at all would be my 85 1.2 and then my 35 1.4. I love them both for so many reasons. (laughs) Very cool. I also have the Mark IV. Although I'm considering going to a mirrorless. Yeah, probably be nice on our backs, you know? So during week three of the 12-week startup is Camera Basics, and we had Michelle Salentano and Paul Giroux on, and they were both talking about mirrorless. One shoots for Michelle is Canon and Paul is Sony, and they were just saying how amazing the mirrorless is, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I might need to get one. (laughs) It's always so hard to make a switch, whether you're switching from like camera companies, because it's such an investment, Mm -hmm. right? And then with those mirrorless ones, we'll probably need to invest in some new glass too, so. Well, they have adapters. Oh, they do. There are adapters you can put on, and they were saying it does not affect mm. the quality of the photos. Quit telling me this. Quit telling me this. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. I'm not. I'm not real techie. Like I'm not a tech geek, and like you know, tech doesn't get me like super excited. But man, I don't know. I'm just kind of ready for a new camera. I think. I think I might have to bite the bullet, but we'll see. Yeah, keep me posted. Yeah, I will. I will for sure. For sure. Okay, number two. How do you spend your time when you're not working? Oh, that's a loaded question. (laughs) Well, I'm obviously busy with my children. I have two boys. They're six and one and a half. So definitely they're keeping me busy. But you know what? So during COVID, I mean, we're still during COVID technically, but I had a lot more downtime. And I found that in the past, anytime I had a hobby or picked up a new hobby, it always somehow stemmed back to photography in some way or another and ended up you know, just being part of my business again. So mm-hmm. I wanted something during all this downtime that was just completely different. As much as I'm like obsessed with my business and it's a huge part of my life, I needed something that was just completely could take my mind off of things and was just a different outlet, right? And so yeah. my husband and I, we actually picked up cycling oh, in May. Nice. I found that I, you know, I'm not like the most fit creature in the world, shall we say, but I set some pretty big goals for myself because this is the first time that I really enjoyed well, it sounds bad, but it's the first time I really enjoyed like a physical activity. I yeah. always had gym memberships, but I never, you know, it felt like work to go. I never mm-hmm. really loved it. So I thought this would be a nice, you know, healthy hobby, something I could do with my husband, you know, get a little bit of time away from the kids. And uh, not that, 
you know, we all need it every now and then. Of course. But um, that was also healthy for us. Yeah, so we both picked it up and we really love it. And I actually set my goal 60 days after I got my, my bike. I did my first 100-kilometer ride. Nice. Wow. Like, I felt so accomplished after that, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, thanks. I, You know what? Pretty proud of myself. So that would be uh, what I'm busy doing now when I'm not shooting or, or being a mom. So Very cool. That's awesome. Good for you. Okay, number three, what's your favorite inspirational quote? You know what? I actually have one. It is... People won't remember what you say or do, but they will remember how you made them feel. Yes. And that hits home for me hugely. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if you remember back a few minutes ago when we were talking about memory, I have the worst memory, but my fondest memories are more of a feeling. So I remember how I felt. And I feel like as a business owner and, you know, capturing these like beautiful memories for people, I want them to look at the photos and remember, you know, they don't necessarily have to remember me or the things that I said, but I want them to remember how amazing they felt. And when I work really intimately with my couples, I almost like to treat it, you know, sometimes it's almost like a couple's therapy session to some extent, you know, because we're so busy with our lives that we don't even necessarily take the time to like look at each other in the eyeballs and just take in the moment, you know, because mm-hmm. we're just so busy with life and our children and stuff. So, so that's my goal is to make people remember how they felt when they were with me, you know? That's so great. That's something that I definitely live by. I think about that quote quite a bit is people remember how you make them feel. Cause I'm the same. I remember how people made me feel all the time. Like it's just something that I can go to right away when I think about a person. Totally. And like our, our favorite or not necessarily favorite memories, but our most like you know, memories that stand out are usually very emotionally charged. So, mm-hmm. you know, a really embarrassing moment or a really bad fight or, you know, uh, you know, obviously on the, the happier side of things, like sure. the moments of elation, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. And yep. so, yeah, if you can cool. be one of those positive memories for people and yeah, yep. I feel like, I think the photos are a beautiful reminder of that as well. Yeah, so. absolutely. It's a gift that we give, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. Number four, what would you say to people who are just getting started? I would say we all do it, but try not to compare yourself to other people. Yeah. We all have our own paths, our own journeys. Don't look at others' photos and be discouraged. Instead, just look at it as a form of inspiration for yourself. And then also, I find that when we're in this weird limbo with our businesses where we're, you know, we're happy, but we have some work to go. I do. I just want to make a point that our art is constantly evolving. And as artists, we grow and change so much. And I think that as soon as we become stagnant is when, you know, all those negative feelings are going to start setting in and, you know, the compare game is going to creep up again. But what I find really helpful is that, you know, when you're feeling in a rut or you just haven't shot anything inspiring in a while and you see other people's successes. So it could be a feature in a magazine or winning a photo contest Mm -hmm. or something like that. When we're in a rut, we sometimes look at those people as we kind of compare it to our lack of success, shall we say, you know, we feel like, Oh, like I should have got featured in that magazine or I wish I got clients like that. And it's just really toxic and it's just like a downward spiral. So just really staying inspired and acknowledging your own growth is hugely important instead of comparing yourself to, you know, photographers who have been doing this for 15 years or that have the ability to travel the world and, and shoot in the most epic locations, you know? So I think it's more so just like looking from within and looking back at your last session and seeing, or a few sessions ago and, you know, really acknowledging your own growth is the best thing that you can do for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Such great advice. 
for sure. Thanks. All right. Last question. Where can people find you online if they're looking for you? On my website is uh, com. I also have a shop on there where I sell my presets and my posing guides. And I have a big online three-part series coming out at the end of the month. And then I also have, you can find me on Instagram at Photography as well. Those are kind of the two things. You can do uh, Facebook, but usually, you know, time is limited. So I kind of water my Instagram the most. And, you know, if you do TikTok, I've been doing a few behind the scenes on TikTok as well. But <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to hear your talk at the Portrait Masters Live and hear more about how you get your couples to connect so well and just photographing in that beautiful sunlight that you do. And it's going to be great. So thank you so much for talking with me today. And I will. Oh, I appreciate it. I'm yeah. looking forward to the conference next week. I'm so excited. Yes, me too. I'm flying down to L.A. to help Sue host. And so I'll be watching your. Yep, as it as it airs airs live to everybody. Awesome. Well, we'll see you there, Nikki. All right. Thanks, Ange. Take care. You're welcome. Take care. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35, and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love, and there are posing downloads, lighting downloads, I mean truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.